Hey guys, what up? Thank you for joining me. Another episode of Chat with Matt. Um, on today's episode, we're caught up with Gavin Badger, the badge. Now, you may or you may not know who Gavin Badger is. He's an NRL referee. He's been in the system for 15 years. And he's just a, you can't hate him. He's a great bloke. Even watching him on TV, the way he interacts with players, he just gets it. He connects with them as people, person to person. And that's why I really wanted to connect with him. He's a, he's a super fit guy. He loves his training. He's part owner in a gym. And we, we actually spoke a bit about the, you know, what it takes to be an NRL referee and the conditioning, the training, the mental toughness behind it. Because end of the day, guys, they're athletes too. They run just as much as NRL players do. They train just as hard as NRL players do. And then they got to make calls on top of that and interact with players. So it's, um yeah, super interesting interview. Um, sit back, enjoy this one, guys. You can connect with Gav on Instagram at Gavin Badger. And um, I'll, I'll link some stuff that he's doing with charity in the show notes too, guys. So keep a lookout for that. And uh, enjoy the show. As always, if you can leave me a five-star rating review on Apple iTunes, I will appreciate it. Do not forget to subscribe to the podcast. Um, Interval Fat Loss, that's going real well. The groups are in the current groups in week two. So nothing's opening for another six weeks. So keep a lookout for that. If you're interested, just send me a message. But as I said, we won't be opening anything until another six weeks. We're focusing on this group first. So if you want access to my free Facebook community where I provide daily content, the the link's in the show notes. It's called the Move With Matt System. Join that one, guys. As always, if I can serve you, Matthew Manka, movewithmatt.com.au. Swing me an email. Hey, Gav, thanks for joining me, man. No, no problem at all. Um, so whereabouts did you grow up, Gav? Tell us a bit about your background story, mate. Yeah, I grew up around Waterloo, Redfern. So, um, yeah, around the streets around there. Um, was a bit of a knockabout kid. Um, yeah, um, it, it, it was pretty cool. We, um, we got ourselves in a little bit of trouble here and there, but um, generally there was, there was quite a few of us that hung out with a lot of you know, there's a lot of kids around there and um, it was all about sport. Everything was about sport around there for us. So it um, wasn't, wasn't a bad place to grow up. I know there's a lot of stories, especially back there in the 80s around Waterloo and Redford, how tough and, you know, sort of like, you know, a bit of Sydney's ghetto. But um, you look back at it now, it probably was. But to us at the time, it wasn't. It was just, it was a place where we all hung out and, and ran amok. All good fun, yeah. So were you, were you into your footy when you were younger, Gav? Yeah, I started playing footy when I was three years old. Oh, wow. So, um, yeah, so been, been, been around rugby league for a long time. Um, yeah, played with um, Zetland Magpies when I was a kid in the South Juniors. So um, played there for a while and then moved across to Alexandria Rovers, I think, when I was 13. Um, played a couple of years there and then yeah, then got into refereeing a bit later on. What position were you? Oh, I played a little bit of fullback, halfback. Uh, spent a fair bit of time on the bench. I was only a little fella. <laughs> oh, awesome, man. And now, just progressing forward, so what did you do before you got into um, refing? Work-wise? Yeah, work-wise, yeah. Uh, a little bit, actually. One of my first, It's funny, I was speaking to some people the other day. One of my first jobs out of school, um, I actually did an apprenticeship originally when I left as a bookbinder. Um, I don't know if too many people know what a bookbinder is, but um, it's in the printing trade where, um, you know, we, we put the pamphlets and stuff together and, and, you know, back then you had to learn how to actually bind a book and stuff like that. So I did that apprenticeship and hated it. Um, so left that as soon as I finished it and I've never gone back and worked in that field. Um, but one of my first jobs, I worked at 
the old trotting track at Harold Park. Oh, yeah. Um, wow. Yeah, when that was there and I did some cleaning and I worked in, uh, around um, parking cars for members and stuff when I, when I first left school. I left school young, I left school at 16. Um, and, and it's funny now because my first ever boss um, at Harold Park was Peter Valambis, who's now the um, head of the commission of the NRL. So um, life goes around in circles. Um, I hope I wasn't too bad as a kid back then and I hope he's got good memories of me. <laughs> yeah, of course, man. Now, how did you get into um, the NRL, mate? So, so what was the journey there? So you started refing, obviously, uh, was it lower grades, kids? Yeah, yeah. So I started, um, I was about 18, 19. I started refereeing, yeah, year three under sixes. It's, it's exactly the same pathway as a player. You just do it later in age. Yeah. Um, like as a player, you sort of get into the junior rep systems, you know, you know, 14, 15, and then you're sort of in the first grade. You know, if you're good enough around that 19, 20, we just do it about 15 years later in, first, in, in refereeing. So, yeah, started refereeing just the local footy. Um, and, and just like anything, um, some people sort of say that you've got a bit of talent at this and, you know, they, they push you through the system. So I went from there into uh, refereeing junior competitions um, and there into, you know, reserve grade into first grade. From when I started refereeing to get to first grade, it's about 15 years. So it's almost like the world's longest apprenticeship to, to get to your trade. What's the, and what's the training like, man? Yeah, pretty, at, at this level, at the highest level, um, it's, it's elite training. We are, um, we're classed as elite athletes. Yeah. Um, so I'm full time. That's what I do for a job. So you know, my, my occupation is a full time athlete, which is quite amazing. Forty eight years old, I'm still a full time athlete. So um, to be able to do that at my age, it's it's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, training wise, um, with a lot of aerobic stuff. You know, obviously we can't put our hand up and, and go and sit on the bench for twenty minutes and then come back on. So we're going to be constantly running for eighty minutes. Not only are we constantly running for eighty minutes, we're constantly making high pressure decisions over eighty minutes. And we're also talking for that whole 80 minutes as well. So think about getting on a treadmill for 80 minutes and running and doing math quizzes or something whilst talking to someone at the same time and how that heart rate would spike and, and you know, how pretty drained you'd get not only physically but mentally. So we've got to prepare ourselves for that. So as you know, when you're preparing yourself for something, you've got to work harder than what it is that you do. So I train entirely on that. So um, general week is... In pre-season, we're you know, four and a half days training. Um, during the season, it's a little bit less because we've got games on the weekend. We, we, have, we, get, we get Tuesdays off, um, but the rest of the week's um, training. Um, and it depends on when you're refereed on the weekend, depending on what we do. So um, earlier in the week, we do a lot of our, like we'll, we'll do more of our on-field running. We'll get the, the kilometres in the, in the legs. We generally run in a training week, um, probably between 22, 25 k's. Um, which Monday and a Wednesday and our game on the weekend. Um, so we're generally around that mark. Uh, we do three gym sessions. Uh, we do what we call a B-Tough session, which is you know probably one of the final sessions. And it's something that I've started to develop into some of my own training away from footy and some of my own personal training and that stuff as well, where um, we call it B-Tough, so road training under fatigue. So we'll get on a, on a, a salt bike or a spin bike or on the roller and you know, have to hit certain targets heart rate targets and then get thrown questions, whether it be rules questions, we might get thrown math questions, we might get thrown, you know, like just a puzzle or something that we have to do under fatigue. And yeah, I love that. We have like iPad games and stuff as well, where you've got, a, you know, the memory re you know, retention games and stuff like that. So you're doing that at high heart rate, you know, under fatigue and sweating and, you know, sweat dripping in your eyes and stuff like that. Um, and at some stages like that, you'll have people yelling at you and stuff as well. So you've also got distractions to try and deal with. 
Um, so that's probably our early week and then our back end of the week is more um, recovery phases and, and lighter, lighter stuff. So yeah, there's a, there's, wow. there's a fair bit to it, yeah. It's generally two, three sessions a day. Mate, do you put it down to that? Like the hardest bit of your job, making decisions under, under pressure? Like how do, yeah, you, I, how do you get through those big games? Because I know a lot of um, high elite coaches that, that I listen to, they say, they tell the athletes not to think too much. Because the more yeah, you're going to overthink the, pro, you know, the consequence later. So how do you get through those times, man? Yeah, it's a bit like that as well. Like you don't, The best referees are the best decision makers who make decisions on instinct. Yeah, you know, you don't, you don't think about it; it just happens, and you don't even, you know, it's funny because you don't even realize you've done it. Like you make calls on the field, and and, and it's just you don't even think about it, and that's when you know you. You talk about you know when when um, people are in a hot streak or when people are in the zone, and for referees we have that as well, where things are just happening and you're not even thinking about it, and then it's it's almost like a post thing where you think, oh, I just made that decision, um, and that's a bit like us. The difference with us is though, especially at the NRL level, you can make a decision that's terribly wrong. And you know about it straight away because it's you know, on the big screen and you see it. So our biggest thing is that once you do, and, and we're going to do it. You know, there's no game that we go through that we're perfect. But every game that you know we officiate, there are some errors in the game. And sometimes you know that you've had them, sometimes you don't. And it's the big ones that you know that's the that's where you talk about mental strength and stuff like that. Where we 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 talk about black boxing it. So you know you've made a bad decision. But the the, the worst thing about when you make a bad decision is you make another one on the back of that. Yeah. And so two bad decisions is a lot worse than one bad decision. Three bad decisions are a lot worse than two. So it's about forget that, move on, next one. It's like cricketers do it with if they play a bad shot, you know, worry about next ball. You know, I've spoken to cricketers how they deal with that when they've got a big break in between. It's not, you know, snappy happening again, you're back into it straight away. You've got, you know, 30, 40, 50 seconds to then think about that bad shot. And if you keep running the bad shot in your mind, more than likely another bad shot's gonna come. So it's like forgetting about that one, going back to processes, you know, and 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 thinking about the next decision, not the last one. I love that, man. I'm, I was actually listening to an audio book this week called The Inner Game of Tennis. Oh, okay, yeah. Mate, and it's huge. And he says, um, a lot of the athletes he coaches, he tells them, if you're looking for the net, you're going to hit the net. You yeah. don't ever think you're shot, just go through the motions. And it was amazing what it does, you know? It's like when you're playing golf. If there's water in front of you, it's nine times out of ten, you go in the water if you're not a good golfer. But if yeah. it's exactly the same hole, but there's no water there, you hit it past where that water was. You know, it's, it's just it's just that mindset of thinking, yeah, don't don't do something where it's it's about yeah, the best athletes, the best you know, lateral thinkers are the ones that can block stuff out. Yeah, huge man. Now, what's the biggest game you've done, man, or biggest memory um, for you? Well, there's been a few. I, I've had a couple of games up in Brisbane, a couple of semi-finals, Brisbane Cowboys, when both those sides were were at the top of their game. Probably um, wouldn't be the same at the moment, but um, when those two teams were at the top of their game and um, semi-finals up, up in Brisbane where it's packed house at Suncorp and it's a really quick field like Suncorp for some reason is a really quick field the games the big games at Suncorp just seem to go really quick um, so there's been a couple of those but probably my best experience was in Papua New Guinea I went to Papua New Guinea in the first time was in 2007 and I went across with an Australian the Prime Minister 13 team so they take a, a rep side across and I got to travel with the team so we go into camp in Cairns for a couple of days and then we go to Papua New Guinea for a week and then come back. And the experience of rugby league in Papua New Guinea is one that is the best in the world. Like it's the only country in the world that has rugby league as a national sport. Wow. And that's how they treat it. it, it everyone, we were treated as superstars everywhere we went over there. Um, big crowds, we went and did some hospital visits and you know, you'd have kids, you'd be in a bus and we'd be driving 5Ks. You want to look for some athletes. There's some kids there 
they would chase the bus for five k's, like five, six, seven-year-old kids with no shoes on in the dirt, and they'd be running beside the bus the whole, you know, just so we could give them a t-shirt or a hat or something like that. So, um, yeah, that was a crazy experience refereeing a game, and there's people jumping fences to get in and tear gas being shot, and yeah, it was, it was insane. It was the best rugby league, well, probably one of the best experiences I've had. And they're probably much happier than us, eh? With much less. Oh, everyone's grateful for everything, and um, I remember. One of the funniest parts of it, I ended up leaving the ground in just my speedos because I was giving everything away. And I remember some guy comes up to me and said, oh, can I have your boots? And I look at his feet, and I've got tiny feet, like I've got little size eight feet. And I look at his feet and I said, mate, they're not going to fit you. And he goes, no, 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 I'll fit, I'll fit. I said, mate, these boots are not going to fit you. You're about a size 12. I said, look, if you can get your feet in them, you can have them. <laughs> and he virtually folded his feet up and put them in these boots and he got them in. So, um, yeah, and just so grateful for everything. And, and every time I go over there, you take gear over there and just it's amazing how much they appreciate just the smallest things and, and the smallest things to do at rugby league that's huge man man and one thing i've always respected about you is the way you connect with players man oh yeah yeah and is that something you've learned oh no i think it's just personality but um you know that's i think that's my biggest strength and that's why i've been around for a long time but i think inside refereeing that's probably my biggest weakness i think people inside the game, not inside the game, but inside uh, refereeing, but I see it as a weakness because um, there's always been a perception that, it, you know, I couldn't be hard on players when I needed to be. You yeah. know, and I was always lost and friendly. I always had that friendly approach. But to me, I never had it to be hard because I had that rapport with players. So um, it's been a bit of a, a you know, a catch-22 with me, my, my rapport with players. But I think it just comes back to uh, I love the game and I've got that greatest respect for everyone that's been able to play at that level. Yeah, like, you can see it. Yeah. Oh, standing out there on the field and just like feeling the hits when you're standing next to it, I just think, how the hell do you get up tomorrow and walk? You know what I mean? It's it's the the, the hits and the and the, the, I just can't believe how good those guys are. And um, yeah, being a rugby league fan before I was ever a referee and, and loving the game, um, yeah, I just appreciate every second that I get to do what I do. And, and you know, fan field every week. So why wouldn't why wouldn't I try and make the most of it and have a bit of fun with it? You must get a high two running out on the field, eh? Oh, it's a massive buzz. Like, um, yeah, you got to, to, it's a bit different now with lower crowds and that, but you run out into a field and, you know, 40, 50,000 people there. Um, yeah, and majority of the time they're booing at you as well. So that, even that gives you a buzz, you know what I mean? Like, it might sound a bit strange and weird, but, you know, the fact that, you know, you're out there being involved in, in something that I've loved since I was three years old um, and, and having the opportunity, you know, Firstly, to, to go out there and do it, but secondly, someone pays me to do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that's my job. You know, yeah. I get paid to run out there and, and blow a whistle and run up and down the field and keep fit. Now, the hardest part for you guys, too, because you're you're referees, everyone's got their own opinion, everyone's biased, you know, obviously their team. Like, I'll be watching a game with a mate and they'll be saying, that was a forward pass, and I'm like, no, and we're going back and forth, and you know, yeah. what I mean? like, you're trying to convince 80,000 people that you're right. So, that's, man, that's why yeah, that's why rugby league's so good because there's so many grey areas and you can have those conversations. Like, it's funny, you can, you know, we've got the two main broadcasters that, that have the game on TV now with Fox and Nine, and you can have exactly the same decision. And if you flick it between the two channels, they'll be arguing different things. Like, Channel Nine will be saying it's, that's a terrible call, and Fox will be saying how good a call it is. So, uh, just goes to show how, how grey rugby league is, which is why we have so many conversations about it. Definitely, man. Now, I just want to talk a bit about nutrition. So what's yep. your eating look like, mate? Because you're in good shape, mate. You guys, <laughs> I, I'm not one that's ever. I love food. 
Um, uh, both my wife and I, one thing we say is we train so hard so we can eat what we want. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, and we do, uh, we love food. My wife's an Italian background, so, um, you know, especially when we go to her parents' house and stuff, there's always food thrown at us. And, you know, it's that if you don't eat it all, you feel guilty. Um, so, yeah, I train a lot, for, you know, so that I can, can eat what I, what I virtually want. Um, we don't eat too bad. Um, we try. Um, we, we try and eat reasonably well. We don't count macros or we don't do any, any, anything like that. Yeah. Um, but we do try to limit sugar. I don't eat much with sugar. I don't, um, you know, it, it's just being, being smart with what we eat. With what we eat. At the moment, we, um, because it's only two of us, we don't have any kids in the house, and it's a little easier. We, we generally go week on, week off, ordering meals, prepared meals, compared to um, then um, planning our own meals. Um, with what we do, it's a bit hard as well because we don't know until Tuesday of every week where we're going to be that weekend. So I might be shooting off, uh, not so much at the moment with, with the COVID, but I could get an email on Tuesday with my appointments for that weekend, which means Wednesday afternoon or Thursday, I might be flying to New Zealand, not coming home till Sunday. So it's very hard to prepare meals and stuff when you're traveling so much. Yeah, um, okay. You're flying up and down to the Gold Coast and Brisbane and stuff. And you know, by the time the game finishes, you know, sometimes you're not getting back to hotels till 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night and then trying to organise meals and stuff around that. Um, it can be hard if you're trying to, to stick to a, a strict diet. Um, but for me, it's about everything in moderation. You know, I'm, like, uh, I'm not going to lie and say I don't eat fast food because if I get the craving for it, I'll go and have it. Um, but I know that you know, I'm not going to do that every day. Um, and I know that, you know, that, 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 you know what, I'm, what I'm burning, I'm sort of... I'm not going to go over putting that back in. So, yeah, I've never, I've never really focused on diet. Um, just, be, uh, I think it's just because of the nature of what I do and how hard it would be to, to actually um, stick to it. And I'm a bit lazy with that stuff as well. <laughs> yeah, and, and and the amount of um, you know, output you're doing each day, like running 23 k's a week, mate. Yeah. You need your calories anyway, so. Exactly right. So yeah, I'm not overly focused. Um, the, the big thing for me is around. Um, I, I, I try and supplement what I can as well. I, I, I supplements um, where needed. And as I know, some people, you know, live and die by supplements. Some people say they're just a waste of time or whatever. Um, but for me, I feel, I, I find they work. Um, and I think just for energy wise and stuff, you know, by the time I get home some days and you, and you, you know, you can be flat and I can tell the different days when I haven't sort of um, topped up what I needed to and stuff with supplements. So I think that's, that, that, that works for me. And that, and, and the diet and, and stuff like that's so individualized. You know, you know, I know people, so I, in our squad, we have 22 full-time referees and we generally all train the same. Like, obviously we do little bits ourselves and I do a bit at home and that, but generally our programming's the same, but we've all got different shapes, we've all got different bodies. You know, so and our old bodies react differently. You know, so I know my metabolism, I can eat more than, than, than case my wife. Um, and my body will stay different than hers, where she'll, you know, she has to work a little bit harder, to, you know, to maintain her weight. So, um, yeah, it's just about we'll find out what works best for you, and you know what you're comfortable. With. You know, I, I, I couldn't imagine not eating things that I want to eat, and I know people do it. I know a lot of people who do it who are really strict on their diet and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I just couldn't imagine not. I'm understand with you, man. I'm Italian background too. Yeah, and people are amazed when they work with me too because. I'm all about everything. Yeah, like you said, in moderation. I'm not about yeah. that elimination because I've seen so many people lose weight and they all gain it back on. 
because they're always waiting to get back to that normal diet. So well, you, you see it a lot with, with a lot of athletes, especially footballers, when they retire. Um, they, they go one or two ways. Either you see guys that are fifty and sixty that look like they can still play. Yeah. You see guys that are sixty and think, "How are you ever an athlete?" Because they continue to eat the same way, but they don't train. Hundred percent. So you're putting that much food in, but not burning the calories, is going to put on weight. So, uh, and that's, that that to me is a prime example of you just input and output. Hundred percent, man. It, it's it's a huge thing, but they don't realise it. It's so yeah. fun, man. That's what happens. A lot it's of also, it's also about mental health and stuff as well, because you don't be denying yourself little things that you know you enjoy and and, and you know and, and I enjoy eating. <laughs> Definitely, man. I kind of got to that point when I first got into fitness, like I'd cut everything out and then I'll be having, because I love a beer with mates and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I'll be having a beer with a mate and I'm thinking, oh no, I'm going to lose my abs with this beer. Like stupid stuff, <laughs> man. And then I was like, no, nah, I can't yeah, do yeah. that anymore. It just and turned you, crazy. You overthink it. You overthink it. And like I said, it's about everyone finding what's best for them. Yeah. 100%, man. Um, now, how do you find your role now, mate? What's a change yeah. like in terms of the NRL? Because you're um, you're in a higher role now. Yeah, it's a bit different now, um, especially this year where we're going back to one referee and that as well. So um, we, it, it physically doesn't make much difference, but we're still running the same amount of case and stuff on the field. But mentally and emotionally, it makes it a little bit different because um, you haven't got anyone to bounce off out there. Does that yeah. make sense? You've got yeah. a partner out there in the, in the past. And, and there's some decisions that you make um, in refereeing where the educated guesses. Like the ball comes out and sometimes there is no way in the world you can see exactly how it comes out. So you take, we look at indicators and stuff like that and say, well, if you come out like this, from our experiences, nine times out of 10, this is a strip and we blow the penalty. When you have the other referee there, you're also covering off another area of the field that you can't see from. So it also adds to your, you know, the, you know, the, um, the strength of your decision as well, because you now got another person who can assist in areas where instead of having that educated guess, now you've got someone who's actually seen what happened there. So um, emotionally on the field, it, it makes a difference. So just just having someone to bounce off. Um, but yeah, physically, it doesn't make any difference at all. Yeah. Now let's, now let's just fast forward to your gym, mate. So you're in the gym oh, yeah. too, mate. Oh, um, yeah, we've got a little... Yeah, we've got a little... Um, it, it, it's a bit of a hobby at the moment for Case and I. We sort of bought into a gym with, with a mate who's um, got a couple... Um, um, we focus around altitude training, so we've got an altitude room. That's awesome. Um, yeah, and it's something that sort of fell into our laps a couple of years ago where the, the, the mate of mine, Scott, who, who um, has a couple of others, um, he got us to come and try and train. He had, a, had one in the city with our children. I'd never done it before. And so I did a whole pre-season um, just training in the attitude room and not running. So just to stay off my legs and stuff. Like I said before, I'm 48, so I've always got to try and find different ways. And I'm, I'm one who's always looking at different ways to improve, even if it's just a... Um, a small fraction and, and, and always changing things up so you don't get stale or you don't um, start to sort of, you know, I, I, I love training and I always want to try and um, keep that, you know, fresh. So he said, come and try this attitude stuff. So I did a whole pre-season in the gym, um, just all off-leg stuff. So assault bikes, rollers. I did some weight training in there as well. And when I came back and, and we did our physical testing, I smashed all my PBs. I thought, well, there might be something in this for me. And, and, and it's like we're talking about diet. Um, you know, different training methods work for some people, don't work for others. Attitude training really works for me. Hundred um, percent. Yeah, and 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 so from there we sort of I started doing a bit more in there, and then the opportunity come up to buy into a gym um, with Scott, and 
Um, we jumped at it and, and I actually love it. Like I don't get to spend much time there at the moment. It's a bit of a hobby project at the moment because of you know full-time commitments with the NRL. I also have another part-time job with New South Wales Rugby League around refereeing development and stuff like that. So the gym is virtually silent for us at the minute. Although we do get in there a bit and um, run some boxing classes here and there and, and, and I try and get in there as much as I can when I can and just stand around and talk to clients. I love that interaction with, with clients in there and stuff like that. And because it's only a small gym, it's quite easy to build up relationships with people straight away. Um, yeah. yeah, but it, it's really good. We've got three uh, PTs on staff there. Um, we've got a um, dietitian in there as well, a sports dietitian. Who's, um, she's an athlete as well. She's a, a distance runner. She runs 100Ks and stuff like that and does insane oh, things no. like that. Yeah, so um, we used to have, um, we did have for a while a hyperbaric chamber in there as well. So we had a lot of rehab stuff and that in there. But, um, but yeah, it, it's something that going forward that I'd love to be more involved with. And I'm sure it will be. And um, yeah, hopefully make it, be, we haven't had time to sort of really push it and, and work it and, and take it to where we want to take it yet. But um, in a couple of years time, hopefully it'll, it'll grow. Yeah, definitely. I know with all the restrictions in place too, it's been a bit tough too. So. Yeah, it's a bit people too to get in a room with others with air and stuff at the moment and worry about not catching COVID. But we're, we're safe and <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome, Gav. Now, mate, what's the what's the plan for the future? Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, Any plans or like... one day at a time, mate? Hey. Any plans or one day at a time? Oh, there's, there's sort of some plans. Like I, I, like I said, I've got a part-time job at New South Wales Rugby League at the moment, where I work with referee development. So I coach young referees and you know, I run some education courses and stuff like that. Um, so that's something that I don't mind doing. Um, I'd also love to going forward, you know, once the referee finishes, to work at a club. Um, going to experiences in, in rugby league club and um, I think with my skill set it's something that could be valuable to to an NRL club you know throughout the season sort of working with individual players around you know what they do and how they're working with the club and when they when they structure looking at stuff and it's like okay can we do this can, you know what can we and can't do so and just to because um, I'd love to coach um, NRL referees down the track in a couple of years time as well once, I, once I'm out of the game so to get involved in a system where learning more and learning about coaching and um, people management more than anything and you know, dealing with elite athletes and stuff like that would be something that I'd like to get involved with. I also have a, a passion around um, growing rugby league as well, so internationally and stuff like that. So there's, there's a few countries that people wouldn't, would never know that you know, have rugby league competitions going on in a country like Serbia and Jamaica and you know, Cameroon and, you know, the rugby league's being played all around the world that people don't know. So, um, you know, I've been to, met up with people in America, you know, the rugby league comps in America and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, you just never know. It, 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 especially in the US, we always talk about in rugby league, you see people in one job and they're somewhere else and they're somewhere else. And it's just like, once you get in there, you, can, you know, the sky's the limit. I'd love to, I'd love to have in rugby league all my life because then I can say I've never really had a job. yeah. Well, that's crazy. I had no idea in Cameroon, man. That was... Um, oh, yeah, yeah. You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised where they play rugby league because I was. Yeah. I've, got, I've actually got a lot of mates in America, man. And, um, oh, yeah. and my mentor's yeah. over there. So I'm over there a few times a year. And, mate, they think we're nuts, the NRL. Yeah, where, whereabouts do you go? Uh, South Carolina. Actually, last year I went to San Diego. Yeah. Um, I, stayed, I stayed there for two weeks. And, and his next event's in Arizona, but that's cancelled for November. But uh, yeah, I've done I've done New York, Vegas. Um, man, probably my favorite place is San Diego. I just love it. It's oh, real yeah. beach. Got that beach vibe. 
Yeah, we, we do a lot of states as well. Every year we'll go and do a different trip to the states and stuff like that. We're big NFL fans, we're Kansas City Chiefs fans. So, um, yeah. We follow the Chiefs around a little bit as well. And um, last year we went to Colorado. Um, so we went to the US um, Olympic facility in Colorado Springs. Oh, Oh, it was insane. Um, so we went to Denver and there's a gym in Denver that um, a friend of ours, um, they own, uh, a friend of ours knows the owners and stuff and they're a really big um, in strength and conditioning around the world. Um, it's called Landau Performance. And we went there, the day I was there, there was like 12 NFL athletes training. There was a couple of MMA fighters and a couple of boxers, like, you know, high profile um, athletes. So it was really good to get in and see that. And then, to, and then from there, they took us to the, um, US training facility in Colorado Springs. So they have oh, six wow. boxing, swimming, fencing, basketball, shooting. Uh, it was another sport, I can't remember. But so we went and had a look at all their facilities and stuff like that. And it was, it was insane. You speak about diet. So when we were there, the US boxing team were just about to leave to go to Senegal, I think, for a tournament. So yeah. what they do with all their teams before they're leaving. So they have a fully functional kitchen there. So they had them in the kitchen. So they had Senegalese chefs there cooking food that they would eat when they're away and also showing them what they could cook and stuff for when they couldn't get meals and that. So they were putting even down to their, you know, what they were going to eat while they were away for two weeks and they were showing them what to eat and what not to eat when they're overseas in that particular country. So, yeah, the, the attention to detail in the US Olympics was insane. Oh, but it was and, awesome. And, and, and boxing is a whole other animal in terms of weight cutting, mate. Hats off to them, mate. Yeah. Eh? Insane. It's one of my favourite sports as well. So, yeah, oh, I love my boxing too, man. Oh uh, yeah, it was huge. Yeah, but uh, no, that's, no, that's massive, mate. So, so when do you find time? Is it usually end of the year in the preseason? You guys have down there? Yeah. So we have off? six weeks left. Yeah. In, uh, after the grand final. Yeah. So we have a week of um, after the grand final. There's one week of um, reevaluating the season, and, that, and then we have six weeks off from there. Yeah. Um, so in that six weeks, we generally do three or four weeks um, in the States. So, um, you know, we've had a couple of really good trips. And we're trying to tie that in with, you know, different, whether we meet up with different gyms or um, different sports people and stuff like that. We try and catch up where we can and, and just always learn and awesome. train at different gyms. We did a really big trip last year where we went through Miami and we went down to Florida Keys and we went whatever but it's about every day going to a different gym yeah and you know it's just some of the gyms over there it's like insane the size and the amount of equipment and stuff in gyms that um yeah freaks us out there's one in our favorite one is in new york it's called um at chelsea piers okay here is a gym it's got an indoor running track it's got uh, boxing rings full basketball courts indoor volleyball it's got a, a indoor pool it's got um a triathlon club inside the gym where they racing. It's one of the best gyms I've ever been to in my life. Yeah, man. New, yeah, New York's another, um, yeah, it's another kettle of fish there, man. People on top of each other. I don't know about now, but... Move there tomorrow, New York. Yeah, it's awesome. But, uh, Gab, mate, I won't take up too much of your time, but, no, nah, I appreciate your time. And uh, nah. I love the work you're doing, bro. And I just love what you do, mate, you know, the way you are with players and people. And you've definitely got a big future, man. Thanks, Matt. Really appreciate your time too, mate. Appreciate having a chat. Uh, Gav, where can people find you? And have you got anything you want to plug? Like in terms, I know you're doing some work with uh, children, mate. I noticed. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm sort of a bit of an ambassador for um, a, a, an organisation called Child Safe. 
So that's all about um, uh, child pro like safe proofing different sporting organisations or businesses and stuff like that. So going in, um, looking at the people involved and, and teaching them. Um, I think that's my dog. My dog's going mad. Teaching them how to um, you know see signs, understand what's going on. If yeah, if you're in, in an organisation, you have um, you, you feel that there might be some you know some um, children that you are maybe um, sexually abused or uh, physically, emotionally abused, just picking up those signs and, and, and knowing where to turn to to get those people, those kids help. So, um, yeah, that's Child Safers, um, who I've been involved with for a little bit now. So off the back of you know, myself being a, a survivor of child sexual abuse, I've sort of jumped on and trying to do as much as I can. Even to this week, um, uh, on Friday, so tomorrow, is, um, well, I don't know when this is going to pop out, but um, is uh, White Balloon Day for, for Bravehearts, where you know, we encourage everyone to wear white and just the same thing around um, the protection of kids. Kids are our greatest asset, and you know, I know from experience, but, you know, you lose your youth and yeah, it's very hard to get it back. And some people, you know, it, it's life changed. It's the end of their life. You know, they can never come back from it. I'm pretty fortunate that I've had, you know, a bit of luck in my life that, you know, I've gone one way instead of the other, but it's quite easy to go the other way, so it's really important that we we make sure that you know we we protect our kids at all costs. Yeah, I love that, Gav. And and where can people find that, mate? Where can people find um, that? So child safe on um, if you if you Google search child safe, they've got a website at childsafe.com.au, and there's also um, social media. So on all the social media platforms, they're all there. Or you can um, jump on mine, and um, I've got links and stuff to to all of those as well. Yeah, and, and just plug your social media quickly too, Gav. Um, so I, I'm I'm pretty active on social media. Actually, I've got um, uh, I don't even know what they are actually, but if you just um, I think they're Gavin Badger on yeah. um, Facebook and, and Instagram. Easy. I'll I'll link that in the show notes too, mate. But uh, now appreciate your time, Gav. All the best, brother. Mate, you're looking you're looking good, mate. Keep working hard. Feel me best. Feel me best. Never know, mate. You could be on a magazine cover. I saw you rig the other day. <laughs> not, not with a head like this, mate. <laughs> Cheers, Gav. All the best, brother.